0: To the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast, a weekly discussion about the National Hockey League's Boston Bruins, affiliated minor teams, and prospects of tomorrow's stars.
1: Moore fights to keep it in, does, has it in the corner to Sanderson. Back in front door, shot scores! Bobby Great work to the right of Reggie
0: Lindland, it down and blew it. He, down he takes the space pulling it wide to the right of tatar in a snapshot the snap over Rossi gets loose and Bergeron scores! Patrice Bergeron! there are three ways you can support the show We are available on Apple iTunes, SoundCloud.com, and on thehockeywriters.com, located in the podcast channel of the website. Now here's your hosts, Mark Allred and Rob Tomlin.
1: Hello Bruins fans, I'm Mark and welcome back for episode 54 of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast, brought to you by Beast from the Northeast Sports Clothing Company. If you're in the market for some one-of-a-kind Boston sport designs, please go to northeastbeast.com and enter special listener promo code BLACKANDGOLD for 15% off future orders. If you're an Amazon shopper and would like to cut the cost of running our podcast and website, please go to blackandgoldhockeyblog.com and click on the Amazon banner to the right of the screen. We would certainly appreciate the support. Um, I have to welcome in uh, my co-hosts, Rob Tomlin and Court Lalonde. Gentlemen, how are we doing today?
2: Anyone
3: else there? Hello? Hello?
1: Are you guys all Did there? Did we
3: lose Rob? Did somehow Rob get Mike's computer from, from Bruin's Pete? Wow. Yeah, I was. That was so good. I had to say all it. All right, he's he's out. Is he out out? Yep. Yeah, he's out. All right. I'll get the fact. That, okay, can we? Because I know how hard it was you to say everything that just happened. So, can you somehow re-edit it when
1: we get him back in, or? I th- I think he's here now. Yeah, I'm back. I
2: don't know what Ooh. happened. You just totally cut out on my end.
1: That's all right. Um, so we're had being
2: a, outnumbered but, now. There's, there's Rob, three Rob had a Americans I, now. Rob had a
3: <laughs> Rob had a Brexit.
1: Yeah. Oh,
2: <laughs> <But laughs>
3: Brexit happened. Oh no. Um, hey, I'm Canadian. Don't 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 let me in with that. <laughs> yeah, but you in the Americas, it's it. Yes, but it's totally different. So, uh,
1: well, wow. I
2: don't know about that
1: one. <laughs> uh, well, well yeah. welcome everybody. <laughs> uh, welcome oh, back huckies. for the, uh, the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast, where we are not biased about where we love to hang out. Um, uh, we got a very interesting show uh, today planned, a uh, lot of topics on the agenda, um, hopefully uh, my boy Rob and my boy Court are doing well. Um, and we will definitely discuss the events that happened last night, um, later on in the show. So let's try to save it as much as we can. Um, I know it was a uh, heart attack material for about four hours, but um, we were going to have a good friend of the show on, uh, Brandon Sheer cohen uh, He writes for uh, CausewayCrowd.com, but uh, due to uh, school commitments, uh, he's involved in a serious semester crunch. So um, we have uh, Spencer <laughs> Fischetta. I hope I got that right again. I'm really sorry if I didn't. But uh, he's a sport, uh, stats and analytics nerd at Endicott College here in Beverly, Mass. Um, and he's a, he operates the Puck Nerd and Puck Rants YouTube channel and affiliate podcasts. Uh, you can find him at pucknerd.com on Twitter. Uh, Spencer, welcome aboard, sir, and thank you for coming on on short notice.
4: Yeah, no problem, guys. I'm really excited and a big fan of the show. Uh, it's my, this is my big-time debut on the uh, on the world stage, so uh, we'll see how it goes.
1: I'm sure you'll do fine. Uh, you're a good tweeter. You've got um, good hockey knowledge, and uh, one of the reasons why I, I had you on my list to, um, to, uh, to join us today, so uh, welcome aboard.
4: Oh, I appreciate it.
1: All right, well... The, um, games, uh, three and four didn't exactly start off as I thought games one and two would last week. They, games one and two, they split the series at one and one, but on Monday night, um, an, an overtime game, all these games are like one goal games and it's so frustrating, but it it, it is what it is. And, um... On Monday night they lost 4 to 3 and on Wednesday night they lose one to nothing but last night's game was just an amazing one. They're facing elimination and they just they come down two to nothing in the first period. And oh, I think it was the first period, but they're down two to nothing regardless, but come back as a group. And fight back with some, a player that I mean just amazed me to come back and double overtime and win it. Um, how did you guys feel about the week and the games that happened? The three games this week.
2: Um, to me, it, it's how you called it before. Um, we were surprised that the Bruins made the playoffs that was the the expectation for the bruins to make the playoffs that's the, that was the goal and i think they're starting to realize that now they can make it it's about building that team that can stay in the playoffs so if we go out in the first round to me it's still an accomplishment so i'm really happy with how the team's gone on to be honest
3: i i i agree with with uh Rob's assessment I was I was a little bit shocked that we made the playoffs I'm I'm not uh I don't want to sound like a pessimist but uh it is what it is I didn't I didn't think the way they were playing um right after the all-star break um uh, was a playoff team uh they came together in the end and we actually pulled it off this year instead of the opposite um but so far with the Senators I I felt we have been outplayed um Tuka's kept us in the games uh, but it's been uncharacteristic of the Boston Bruins, um, from what I've seen. Like we are missing four of our our defensemen, which is a, is a huge loss. Now it's three because um, we got Miller back. But when we're losing faceoffs, like we last night was, I think the first game that we beat them in faceoffs, the whole series. Yeah. And that's something like, and I'm talking about Bergeron even not like last night he had his he had a good game in faceoffs, but he hasn't been really um, winning the faceoffs, but. It's just been one of those weird things. We're out hitting teams, which is great. Um, Ottawa's getting a lot of block shots. It seems that uh, anytime we try and put something on the net, especially Martian, it's hitting somebody. So maybe we just got to find some lanes. But uh, last night, uh, after the whole Krejci thing, and even Cassidy said it, um, I don't know who it was on the Senators that made the comment that he made, but uh, I'm so glad he did. Yeah. It seemed to piss the team off.
2: Uh, spe- and- oh. I mean, when you when you're talking about them block shots as well, sorry about that. Um when you're talking about the block shots, you look at their top four defensemen. You got a guy like Mark Mathot who's known for blocking shots and being a tough guy. Uh Eric Carlson has become one of the best all round defensemen in the league. Has blocked insane amount of shots over this series. You got Cody C the young prodigy over there who is known for being quite good defensively, and then you've got Dion Phaneuf, who is his best part of his game is in his own zone, so I mean, when you look at a team like that, it's going to be hard to beat them, and never mind about the, the speed that they got up front, because that's what's killing our team, is the, the speed of their forwards.
4: So, yeah. I, I, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like this has really come down to two things. The uh, the neutral zone for the Senators is almost impenetrable, and I don't think the Bruins have really figured out a surefire way to beat the trap. Uh, and every time Eric Carlson gets the puck, a bunch of the players just stop and watch. And that's that, to me, is the most frustrating part of the series thus far Is that I don't think they've been out of the games. I think that they're letting guy like Carlson get in their heads and it's a little difficult to game plan for a defenseman rather than a forward that's pushing the attack but that's really what you have to do if you want to be successful against Ottawa and I don't think they found the right combination of uh forechecking and line combos and everything to neutralize the threat that is Eric Carlson
3: well, I don't think we have the speed to to match up with Eric Carlson he's a he's a he's a generational player for defenseman um I'm not gonna go along with I can't believe TSN um, what they said about him and said that he's
1: the second is he coming Bobby to Bobby Orr. Orr.
3: yeah, I, I got a little offended by that. Um, yeah. and, and I talked to my father about it today and he, he, his exact words was my tweet. It wasn't me. It was my father saying, um, uh, stop with the comparison. There's only one Bobby Orr. please stop insulting each other. <laughs> um, he, Eric Carlson's amazing. Uh, he's got so much speed. He's got so much range. He sees the puck. He sees the play differently. He generates offense. Unfortunately, we don't have the speed to match with that. But if you guys did notice, the game winner in overtime for a young kid, what he did, he lifted Eric Carlson's stick before, got Carlson, Carlson off him, then got the puck and scored the game winner. So if maybe it's the young kids on this team that are going to take it to that next level. Um, McAvoy learned a little hard lesson in the last game. I'm sure you guys all saw it in overtime when he tried to play with the puck a little too much. Uh, and he almost cost us the game. But he did learn. You saw him as soon as he went to the bench. He talks to Chara. I think it's our young kids that have some of this speed that are actually going to change the tide in this series because we're down. We should be, the series should be over considering how many players are injured and, and what's going on and what's happened to us in this series because I'm sure we're going to talk about all the calls that have gone the wrong way. Oh, yeah. Um, it's, but these young kids have stepped it up and surprised a lot of people. Um, Tuka's played amazing. He played unbelievable last night. It was probably his best game so far in the playoffs.
1: Oh, absolutely.
3: Um, But it was unbelievable. His play just to get the game winner. Yes, it was an empty net pretty much he's shooting on. But what he did to get to that position was impressive just in itself.
2: Well, if you look at it, he should really have had four goals last night. If goals weren't brought back, he should have had four, really. But, I mean, there, there was the one that stopped on the line. And then the one that got called back as well. So
3: Well, the one that got called back, I I believe um, Achari was actually the one who put it in finally. Yeah. But it, still... Keeps it, saying it was Curley, but I, I watched the replay and I, I don't understand. Because yeah. it's definitely Achari who puts it in. Curley made all the effort.
2: Yeah. Still, he'd have three goals and an assist. Yeah. Which is crazy for a kid who's like... that. I believe that's his first NHL goal. I don't think he yes. got yeah. one. First two. Yeah. First yeah. two. Right. Goals. Yeah. So... I mean, the thing for me is when I watched the replay today is Curley played a lot differently than he did when he got called up before. He played more like he does in Providence. I think he's he's definitely more of a like uh, create-his-own-offense off- uh, type of guy. He'll just do what he wants. And I think it's better to just unleash him on a team than try and mould him into a player. What? Uh, and people, I, I think before, they wanted him to play a Bergeron type of game where it's 200 foot and think about your defence first, don't get caught too deep. And now he's just being let loose. You saw him behind the net last night. How, how many times did he get behind the net? Right.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So, I mean, that's the best thing to do with this forward court. Is just tell them, go to the boards, go hard, go behind the net. Because if you if you watch Ottawa when we've had the puck behind the net, they've had both defensemen at either post. No defenseman has gone behind the net to take it away. I mean, use that.
3: It's it, it, definitely
2: it, one thing that can attack them.
3: It, it's kind of funny because before the game, I was actually talking to Spencer about Spooner coming out and Curley going in, and how excited I was for it. We were actually talking on Twitter about it. It was actually pretty funny, and someone else jumped in and tried to tell me that uh, Spooner was hurt, and we actually ended up looking into it. He actually really wasn't. Um, He wasn't 100%, but it was Cassidy's call to pull him out of the lineup, and it ended up being the right call. He wanted to add some grit and and some speed and try and get some fresh eyes on a guy that was having a little bit of frustration out there in Spooner. Um, But I do want to give a shout-out to a a friend of ours, uh, Frank Dottie, who actually called Exactly, play by play of what was going to happen in overtime and how the kid was going to score the goal, which is crazy. He called,
2: and, and there was going to be one callback. back they yeah. told as well, which is I, I insane. Don't,
3: I don't get it. He's a friend of the show, and he he pulled it off last night. He he called the callback, and he called the goal. So kudos that to him. That is,
2: that yeah. is, he's been back to the future, hasn't he? Definitely, yeah.
1: definitely yeah. going to be something in the water in Illinois. Yeah,
2: that is uh, crazy. R-
1: r- real quick, I just want to touch on. Um, uh, give my opinion about about Curley Curley ah, Um From watching a lot of his games down in Providence um, this year, uh, I see a very um, a mixed player. He's got skill, he's got talent, he's got great attributes, but he plays a heavy game. Uh, he's very good along the boards. He crashes the net hard, but he to me in Providence he calls out to be a third, a fourth line, bottom six forward. So when he got inserted into a top six role with the with the loss of Krejci in the first period, I believe that excelled his game and brought out more of what he can actually do and offer this team. And what I want to do right now is I want to segue that right into what Spencer's going to talk about with um, Spooner. Um, Spencer, I got I got to ask you, Do you feel that um, game four might have been the last game for Ryan Spooner? Uh,
4: No, because I don't think that Krejci is going to be ready to go tomorrow. And I think Spooner's going to have to be put in there. They don't exactly have the center depth, I think, that they trust to put someone in that top six role. And I think if Spooner's given free reign to just do offense and not have to worry about defense as much, he'll be okay. But I also think that it's probably his last season. I see him as a, as a, uh, a sign-in trade or trade his, his RFA rights before uh, they expire.
3: That's exactly what we were talking about yesterday, Spencer, right before the yeah. game.
4: Yeah, it, it's, it's looking very, very clear that he's, he's, his days are numbered at this point. He's, he's got really, really good offensive talent. He just is one of the streakiest players I have seen in a long time.
0: You're listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. You can catch our show on the Hockey Writers Podcast channel, available at thehockeywriters.com.
2: And I I was saying, I was saying a few, I think a few episodes ago, his value is so high because a lot of the other teams see him as a a top two sentiment. So he could either play it like the second line, definitely, or can fill in for a first line role sometimes. Uh, and I know a couple of analysts have said that there's a possibility of him being a second line NHL center for his offensive talent. Yeah. Well, um, his, and I uh... mean, you look ar- you look around the league and what people are giving up for like players like this. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could get we could get a high return for him. We could get. I mean, even if it's just draft picks and a prospect, you just say, right? It hasn't worked out. We move on, but we get something back for it. You just and, don't want to let him walk.
3: And you're saving the cap space because it's an RFA at the end of the year. And yeah. and I, I believe we talked about it last week when I when we said when McAvoy first came in and I, I, I still am impressed with the kid. As soon as they saw McAvoy on the point on the power play, I said Spooner's days are numbered. Uh, he, yeah. His Spooner's pre-only role near the end of this year was. The fact that he could play the point on the power play and he, he plays it well, he moves the puck well, he's got great vision out there. It's just unfortunate that he's just not fitting in, and he's a good player. It's it's just maybe sometimes you know it's a time for time for a change of scenery. Just like when we had to lose Claude this year, Claude's a good coach. It's just it was his t- it wasn't his time anymore, and and unfortunately, Spooner's not fitting in. He had a great year um, last year. It's just it's just not working out for him. But last year he was also filling in for Krejci. If he's not getting the minutes, we don't see it from him. He's not being his, able to generate minutes. Generate his points num- lower minutes.
2: His number one asset is his skating as well. Like, yeah. the way he skates. He, that whole, like, 12 to 6 way he skates, is you don't see that around the league. And it confuses defensemen when he does it because they can't tell which direction he's thinking of going. So, I mean, like, I, I think he's not let... Uh, he's not allowed to use his skating game with the Bruins because it is, if he gives up the puck while he's skating, that's it. The, the team's going the other way and he's left behind. But I mean, if he went to another team and played in the top
3: six where he's allowed to make mistakes, he could do good. He could do great on a team like Nashville predators, fast, yeah. fast puck moving team that, that has size on the wing. Cause that's what they have to, uh, to play down the middle for them because they don't need the size in the middle like most teams do, and that's that's the only asset he doesn't have for a centerman. He doesn't have the size, size. well, but he's got and, this, like Rob saying, and they've
2: just, lost, they've just lost. They've uh, just lost Mike Ribeiro. Yep. so I mean, there's they need someone to fill in that role, mm-hmm. and, and I mean, there's there's probably about six or seven teams around the league that could do with a Ryan Spooner on the team.
3: And they, so, they happen to have this guy named... They have a plethora of defense, and they have a, this left-shooting guy. I believe his name's Ryan Ellis. That's a sarcasm here. Um, um, that's pretty pretty darn good. That I if love we can me get him from back, Ryan Ellis.
2: Have, Ryan
3: Ellis is right-handed, i Right-handed. Oh, okay, forget him. <laughs> forget him. We need a lefty. Forget
2: I, it. I mean, you have, like, Ekholm, who is left-handed, who's a young guy who's meant to be, like, a hit-or-miss prodigy on the blue <laughs> line. I mean, you...
0: Nashville have
2: just like they have about three defensemen ready to come up from the AHL mm-hmm. next season. They also have about five players all on four years or more contracts, so there is guys there available. Uh, but like they have, they have a also just an unreal amount of guys who could play the third line on the wing and score goals and have speed, and that's what I'd rather we saw come out of this and let one of the young guys play defense next year. Um, I mean, Zaboral, like... uh, Zaboral, Lawson, one of those guys might have the game to fit in on the bottom line. If they don't, you re-sign Morrow for a year.
1: What is it, Lawson with Providence now, Mark? Yes, but he's not... He's on the roster, but he's not in the lineup.
2: Yeah. And that's the right thing to do, because... The guys just shown up now. You don't scratch some guy who's played an entire season just for a kid to play. Right. If that kid's going to be there next year, you don't just give up the spot. The reason those guys got got uh, like got spots slash is for the amateur tryout things. Some of the players so, and a lot
1: oh. a lot of the a lot of the roster spots that um, that they not not. I'm sorry. A lot of the insertions into the roster and not the lineup is to give them a more of a professional feel. Um, like yeah. like Zach Seneshin, um was brought up from the OHL Sault St. Marie Greyhounds last season but never got into a playoff game even though there were only three playoff games cuz Wilkes-Barre Penguins swept them. But um, yeah. yeah they're, they're um, will pro- soon
2: find out what that's like
1: tonight. <laughs> well, I- I'll get into that um, a little <laughs> later. Don't feel
3: thunder, Rob. I'm sorry. But sorry. Um, um,
1: I- just
2: check. No, just
3: I was no. going for the segue, but it's too early. Oh here it, just to let you know, um a, a live update. Um, Mark, Darren Burris has officially just drove by and waved. Uh um, <laughs> he, he just sent me a message just, just to I'm, let you know he wanted to let you know.
1: Darren, I'm waving right now, four nine I mean uh ninety interstate ninety five is uh very close, so uh safe travels. Um I wish I knew earlier, I would have uh, I would've uh, you know, had a beer with you or something, but Uh, Be safe uh, and have fun in Boston uh, this weekend. Uh, Just real quick, touching on on Ryan Spooner. um, The kid is fast, and and there's no doubt about that. And I believe that his speed warrants him time on the power play. But his production on the power play has slowly uh, disintegrated. Um, He had 39 points last season. And 18 of those 39 were power play points. But towards the end of the year on the power play, he's been basically a no-show. And especially in the four games that he got into uh, his first four uh, playoff uh, games, career games. So he's got two assists. He's contributing a little bit. But if he's not doing point production on the power play... My question is, why is he there? Put him on another area of the team, but the power play might not be where he's needed right now.
4: It, it sounds like they're trying to fit a square peg on a circular hole is what yeah. they're doing. But it, it's, it's even more perplexing because they have a, a Ryan Spooner replacement already. I went through and I looked at some, some comparables for him in terms of his his uh, possession stats and how he's been playing. They ha- There's Dennis Mulgan from Florida, Kevin LeBanc from San Jose, Andre Kasha from Anaheim, uh, Vinny Henestrosa out of Chicago, Drake Cajula out of Vancouver, Anthony Beauvillier out of the Islanders, and Austin Zarnick <laughs> was wow. the third most comparable player to Ryan Spooner in terms of production and possession. So... Out of everyone that I named, the only one to play the full year was Bovillier in the NHL. He had more points than Spooner did in twelve fewer games. Wow. Spooner only had eighteen points this year. Eighteen. I-, I wonder. Do you know how much
2: Kasha had from Anaheim? Because I know that kid's been on fire. Thir-
4: um, uh, Kasha had thirteen. Yeah. It's and amazing. he's
2: he hardly played. I don't think played half the season, maybe not even that. Yeah,
4: fifty-three games. So and yeah. Zarnick had nine points in forty-nine games. He had half of Spooner's production in a little under half, a little over half of his games. Yeah. So you have a ready-made replacement there,
2: who also brings in.
3: size. Yeah, yeah. Zarn's a good player. Yeah. yeah. The only thing that scared me about that, Spencer, is now you're letting me think that his value is not that good anymore.
4: (laughs) (laughs) No, I think it is, though, because you look at that list, and they're all really young, exciting, up-and-coming players. So I think that, like, Beauvillier is a former first-round pick. Uh, Malgan is what looks like a steal from the fourth round for Florida. Kajulu was a a high-end free agent signing out of college after his senior year. Those are all guys that, you're going to that teams are looking for to plug into their offense to drive play the only thing that i hope they don't look at uh is how spooner drives play because right now he's sitting underneath matt baleski and riley nash in terms of uh expected goals for percentage and uh or c4 percentage which are his possession numbers and how many goals are expected that he produces when he's on the ice so i'm hoping that teams don't look into that too closely <laughs> <laughs> but uh, i, I you know, have a feeling not, they will yeah. he's, not, not, he's not he's not as as he's not as productive as as we've made him out to be he's a very exciting dynamic player there are very few players that have his kind of edge work that he uses in the offensive zone and i think that given the opportunity in the right situation, he is absolutely a bona fide second line center and he'll drive that line. He's yeah. not being given the opportunity because he also does not play with the greatest quality of teammates. Cause that's the other thing I looked at and he's in the bottom half of the Bruins quality of teammates play. He's pl- he's not playing with very good players that drive play either. So he's doing the best he can with what he has. It's not fantastic, but it's also not close to where I think his ceiling could be given the right opportunity and the right space. You've seen that when he's had to replace Krejci on that second line, yes. he's looked great. But he's not I mean, in that position all the time.
2: You give him Pasternak and Marshand on either side of him and I guarantee he produces points.
4: That's ridiculous. But you you, give, him, you no. give
2: him you give him Boleski and Jimmy Hayes, he's not going to put up much points.
3: But they get to call them the VHS line. They love the name. <laughs> but yeah. what, what, one, thing I, one thing I think does hurt him also a little bit is he's the one who, if, he, if we all remember, he called out Julian after the yeah. whole fairing and pretty much blamed his production
1: on Julian. Well,
3: it doesn't look like that was the problem.
1: Yeah, we got um, a new coach he, now. Where, where are you? Yeah.
3: Yeah, and I also found out someone was telling me, I guess when he was in the OHL, he kind of had a hissy fit and has to be traded down there too. I uh, Didn't like his coach and got traded to Kingston from Peterborough. Well, so maybe he's just a problem. I, I'm, I'm not too sure. And, and maybe he just, like I said, maybe it's just time for him to move on.
2: But if you also look at the center depth for next year, I mean, you've got Bergeron and Krejci as a lock. I, say, I, I think you've definitely got Achari as a, a lock for the fourth line. 'Cause the okay. Bruins have put a lot of time into that guy and I really think that they're gonna keep him up there next year. Yeah, Moore's well. not coming back, I don't think. No. And but- then on that third line centre you've got Curley, J F K, Zarnik. How many options are there for
3: that third line centre spot? A lot. And Mark, you were saying you were saying J F K is he's a natural center. He it's yeah. not like you can flow him over to the wing.
1: Right. But I mean, if you work with him on the development camp that's uh, gonna set up this summer uh, in July, and you get him into rookie camp, and then you get him into the NHL camp in September, you know, you have all that time to get him used to another position. You know, it's not like he's just gonna come in and just jump from the center to the to a right or a left side. Uh, I I think if there's if there's versatility needed and he wants to play he's going to have to learn to, uh, to adjust his game. I mean, look at Ryan Spooner. I hate I hate bringing this kid up all the time, but uh natural position natural center position, but also was was forced to uh, uh from injuries and and better players coming into the lineup that he had to was forced to go on the right side. So
4: and he looked miserable playing on the wing. Oh, absolutely. He, he, he does not know where he's going. He doesn't seem to know what he needs to do and he doesn't doesn't look at all comfortable. He he completely negates his game when he's on the wing, so it's not even worth it to to try it. He looks a little tentative to go in the corners. There's only
2: one problem with saying that about Ryan Spooner. If if you look at all the holes that he filled due to injury on the wing, every single slot that he went into was made for a power forward for someone who's going to hit and smash because he played the right side of the third line, which has always been a big player, uh, he played the right side of Krejci, who's always been a big player, um, and then he played the right side of Bergeron's line. And we all know Bergeron only passes left. So yes,
3: <laughs> that's why like all these people that get mad that Pasternak's not on, on there. It makes perfect sense to throw Backus oh, yeah. on there. That and if you notice, Backus went back on for until Krejci got injured and Marchand didn't have to do all that corner stuff, that spinorama thing he continues to do over and over and over again. <sighs> I think he got a
2: highlight of it on the NHL network, and he was like, right, I found how the Bruins get highlights.
3: Yeah, (laughs) he does it every time. He comes in. Next game we watch, guys, watch. Barshan comes in. He stops, does this turn thing. Just just do something else, please, because he's such a good player, and he's looking invisible out there.
2: Can I talk about one thing, though? Yeah. There is one guy who is showing leadership beyond his years.
0: You're listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. You can catch our show on the Hockey Writers Podcast channel, available at thehockeywriters.com.
2: And it is David Pasternak. Oh, I did, yeah. did you see he's, him and that goal? Yeah. He he shouted at everyone, "Come on, let's go, let's go!" Like as soon as the puck entered the net, he was screaming at his other players. He went to the bench and while he's fist bumping, he's going, "Come on, lads, let's go, let's go, let's get going." And he's hitting. That, for a kid for a kid who is like what, twenty years old? Yeah. I mean, this like you don't see it around the league. And this is what the Bruins need. They need these young players to step up because I mean, Bergeron and Craigie aren't gonna be around forever. Uh David Backers definitely isn't gonna be around forever. And Chara's looking like he's either at the end of his career this year or next year. So
3: I so mean he was he was plus one last game with six shots on net. Yeah.
2: was
3: amazing. Yeah. And he, he just seems
2: to like, I think the whole the season has just made him a completely different player because he looks totally different than he did
4: all season. He's playing, uh, ang- he's playing angry is what yeah. he's doing. He's, playing, he's angry that they're down right now and that they've been beaten the way they've been beaten. And he's determined not to let it happen again. And you can see it every time he steps on the ice, he's his eyes will bore holes right through you, through the television. Yeah.
2: Well, but th- I know there was a point where he was stood with a fan, and the fan was trying to get a photo with him, and for about five minutes, he was trying to trying his best not to smile or like look at the fan. He looked really pissed off, and then all of a sudden, he like had to give him a little smile and throw him a puck. right but, you know,
3: actually, that fan is is a, is a a friend that's that Tesla yeah. girl that we know from Facebook.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So that, that is crazy. So. Hey, uh,
3: so you're talking about Achari, um, both Rob and Mark. Do you know, guy had 28 minutes last night. Yeah. He actually was like third most among forwards. He had more minutes than
4: Bacchus. He got bumped up once Krejci went down. He yeah. was the one that, that got a lot of those ships.
3: Yeah. That also line. On, Yeah. He was also on the shorthanded. He almost had three minutes short shorthanded, even Did though, you, you know, we had six. Six penalties against, um, conveniently, more than Ottawa every every game. Five penalties, sorry. Conveniently.
4: He was the bumper on that second power play unit, too, as soon as yep. Krejci went down, which I was surprised at, to be honest. But yeah. he, look, he looked like he belonged out there.
3: Um, it's, he had six hits last night. What a game.
4: Nice.
2: But he's lived up to his promise of bringing offense when he came back up from Providence.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And he, defi- he definitely is bringing it. He's He looks like a... I've said it like three times this show, but he, he looks like a different player as well.
3: A lot of players are, so that's now, a good thing. We haven't talked about it, but what about the Riley Nash penalty?
1: Well, uh, that's, uh, that, that was the kind of the segue I wanted to jump into was the uh, the talk of the officiating in this in this series, and uh, not just not just what Nash did and and uh, his idiot t- tactics, but um, the 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 first five games of the series. I want to talk about it all because. We've, we've known in, the, in past episodes with, with Court and, and and Rob in the past year that officiating has been a, a serious issue uh, when it comes to Bruins hockey. And I know it affects every team in the league, but to us Bruins fans, we see it a lot more. And it almost seems like it's a personal thing between the, 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 the team and the officiating crew, whether or, you want to believe it or eat. not. Um, Or our ownership. Right. Because it seems... Yeah. So, I'm just seeing things from this officiating crew that do the jobs, and they're not doing a very good job at it. Like, um, Riley Nash hit... I mean, you, you brought it up, Court. You know, he takes an elbow, or I'm sorry, a shoulder, but it was clear head contact. For sure. And... No call there, but and I understand this because i I, I listen to a ton of different episodes uh, uh podcasts and so on, and everybody says you're not gonna get called on their first action, you're gonna get called on the retaliation, yeah. so that little jab to the mouth i mean that really i I don't want to blame the game on him, and nope. you know I'm not gonna blame the game on tommy cross uh, uh, you know but. Well, I I know. No, I No, no, you can't.
2: You can't no, play. I'm not. I'm just, it's like, a joke. Yeah, but. I know. But uh, the thing is, right, Ry- Riley Nash doesn't have a lot of playoff experience. I and, saw someone say that he's played like 50-odd games. He hasn't. I'm pretty sure he's played for Carolina most of his career.
3: And, and they haven't made known, the playoffs that much. No one is a dirty hockey player. In right, shape yeah. It.
2: But the thing is, the officiating is a lot different. In the postseason, we all know that.
1: Oh, they let um, him play. Yep.
2: Second it's, thing: if it's... you're a Bruins player, stop effing retaliating. Because for the for the past ten years, every time a Bruins player has retaliated in the playoffs, it's only just made us lose a game every time. You you go back and look at it, every game. So all you do is you take your shoulders to the head. Yeah, get annoyed. Like, snap your stick against the boards, do something, but don't punch the guy in the face because we're going to get a penalty.
3: It, it didn't make it better when Bobby Ryan was interviewed and without saying it, said that it was a bad call and that yeah. he was, I believe he used the word, lucky bounce. <laughs> he treated yeah. it like it was like a tip. Yeah. He's like, oh, we got a lucky bounce out there. Uh, he's like, I saw the replay and uh, yeah, he, he his exact words were, I was in shock and thought they were going to take both of us.
0: Yeah.
2: And I mean, I've seen Montreal fans saying that the officiating has been bad during this season, uh, this series for the Bruins. So that, that's something to say if Montreal are saying well, we're getting screwed over.
1: Last
3: wow. night, Hockey Night in Canada is because I've been watching the, the Canadian feed. They've been brutal on how much they've been pro-Ottawa the whole time. You know, Carlson's Bobby yeah. Orr, all this and this and that. Last night was the first time I've ever seen them when... As soon as they came back after the first overtime, they were like, "Yeah, that was a terrible call." Like the whole panel. Like Ron McLean was like, "Oh no, no, no! The ref made a made a right call because he's pro ref," and everybody jumped on him like so quickly of like, "What are you talking about? That was definitely a goal." I don't know why they called it back. Like they they were pretty much pro Bruins for the rest of the
4: game, which was pretty hilarious when you're watching a Canadian feed. There's there's two things to to, to talk about with with the disallowed goal. One is the fact that Bob McKenzie tweeted out two screenshots. I don't know if you guys saw it, of the rules in the rulebook that were looked at from that mm-hmm. replay. They are two of the most contradictory rules I've seen in a long time. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's ridiculous, and that's a problem. The other uh, problem is that we've gotten to this notion in the playoffs that refs are afraid to make a play or make a call because they don't want to... Get involved in the game too much. They want to let the boys play. Well, I'm sorry. Letting the boys play means calling the things that are written down as illegal in the rule book that you're taught at the beginning of being a ref. Yeah. It's really not complicated. So if you're letting things go, let them all go. If and you're going to call things, call everything.
1: Even, no in between. Even a former uh, referee, longtime referee, and the guy had the best hair in hockey. Uh, he actually, Carrie yeah, Carey Frazier. He had the worst hair in hockey. I'm just kidding around. I actually yelled that to him at everyone's game. I was like, "You have the worst hair in hockey," and he kind of looked over and gave me a little uh, love. I mean, uh, uh, hate look. But uh, even he tweeted out last night that it, 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 if your body is in the crease and it's covered, it, it's a penalty shot. Yeah, it even if it's with your hand. Yeah. Anytime you're in the blue paint. Yeah. So. Whether you close
3: your hand over the puck or not, it's a penalty.
1: And these guys the looked is, at it. Is, That's what killed me about this whole thing. It wasn't one of those yeah. calls that are like, you know, we're going to do this and that. They went to that little iPad in the penalty box and gave it a look.
4: So To be fair, they they do have larger iPads in the playoffs. They're not yeah. They're not looking at iPhones this time. Oh. Now, did but, anybody...
3: Did anybody notice on the the callback goal, so the ref didn't wave it off or didn't do anything until he skated over to the box. Now, what I heard is the NHL called down because they they were talking about Hockey Night in Canada. Now, the NHL calls down, but because the ref decided to say it was no goal because goalie interference, that negates anything the NHL tells them. It doesn't matter whether the NHL... NHL tells him it's a goal or not, he can decide what he wants. If he said that it wasn't goaltender interference, he's just calling no goal, then the NHL can decide whether it's a goal or not. So the ref took away the power because very very rarely, I'm sorry, a ref does not want to change his call. He's gonna call what he sees on the ice. So if you notice, before they even look at the iPad, the two because there's two refs out there, they both talked. It looked like he decided before he saw the replay that he didn't care, he's not calling the goal back. Before they even looked at the iPad, because they're showing, there's a, another replay that shows the refs talking. He looks at the other ref, he's, he. You can see the body language. He's not changing his mind regardless. Regardless of what they show him on the screen, because Hockey Night in Canada, as they said, the only reason that Ker, um, gets goes up in the air is because Anderson's the one who lifts him in the air. It, Anderson's the one who made... He's trying to get out of the way. There's no nothing that stopped Anderson from resetting. Anderson stopped himself. He would have been in that position no matter what. Kelly Rudy was a goal he Kelly Rudy was like no matter what he would have been lying like that it it, that should have been a goal game was over
4: he started he started falling before Corral even made contact with him
3: correct he he started
4: he started to to snowball uh snow angel before uh, he was even there it was so unbelievably clear that it was a goal that like you said it, it changed the minds of the Canadian broadcast which is very difficult to do that's that's rare that they'll all turn on on the officials but i was more concerned about the fact that the second one that should have been a penalty shot was reviewed in toronto and they got it wrong the situation room was involved in that one and they still got it wrong
3: well no the The situation room the situation room doesn't get the final call they can give their on that play as well they talked about it so the situation room only has a certain amount of calls that they they take away the coach's challenge in overtime and they can review the play. That's the only reason it got reviewed, but they can make a recommendation. It doesn't mean the ref has to go along with it. So there's a difference. There's certain plays where the, the situation room can decide what the call is going to be. On this play, in the rules, they don't get to make the decision. It's actually the ref who still, they can make a recommendation. The ref still makes the call.
4: So what's the point of having the situation room involved in the recommendation?
3: Recommendation. We still don't know. <laughs> if you notice, Elliot Freeman was kind of hinting that he felt that the NHL probably told the ref that it was a goal on the, on the no goal call and they went against. And then if you notice when they came back from commercial, what's the first thing Elliot Freeman, he goes, Oh, I just got an email from the NHL. Here's the reason it wasn't a goal, but he was looking at the screen like, yeah, the NHL is pretty much saying it was a goal, but the ref told him, no, it's not a goal. (laughs) That's pretty bad. Yeah. So if you look up, it's, it's kind of crazy. There's certain things that the, the situation room can call and make it their call. But a lot of the times it's the ref. And we actually talked about this on one of my very first shows how we were saying to change this system, they need to take the call out of the ref's hands. If they go to review, it shouldn't be the ref's call, it should be the situation room. They've already made their call before the ref even calls in. They've seen the play, they see all the angles. I don't know why they let the ref make the call. It should be the video review is definitive proof. So take the ref out of it.
2: I want to find out a stat of how much time has been wasted in just this series oh, yeah. on video on video calls because, I mean, I all the games that I've watched, it's been at least I'd say ten minutes. Like yeah. it, it's got to be at least ten minutes.
1: If not, one more. of the
2: games was five minutes alone because they had two commercial breaks during the thing, and it. Especially for a guy who is up at like half three in the morning trying to watch the game and falling asleep heavily. Like every time a commercial comes on, you don't want to sit there for five minutes and just not watch anything. Watch a guy look at his phone. It's <laughs> it's pointless. So I think just scrap the challenge. It was fine before. Yeah, you got pissed off that there was a no-goal thing, but you didn't get pissed off that you just sat there and watched the TV for five minutes and then got told it was a no-goal.
3: Now they've also got to change the rule. The fact on the Achari goal, the fact that 20 seconds had gone by, and they were allowed to go all the way back to when the puck actually entered the zone. When it, the offside had nothing to do with the play. The puck went in the zone. There was play going in. I understand calling back a goal if it's offside. If if it's a line rush and they're going in, it's a bang bang play, and it's offside and going <coughs> into the zone. But they went into the zone and they controlled the puck. Ottawa had all the chance, Ottawa had the puck at one point, and Boston got it back and then we scored, but they were allowed to go back. There's no rule, so what Boston should do is just have a guy that can go in there and be like, alright, so now it's offside, so if they score and there's been no whistle, we'll just review it and we'll go We'll go back five minutes and go, by the way, there was an offside there, no goal. It, it
4: should you know, be, it should negate it as soon as possession is changed. As correct. soon as you get into the zone and the defending team has possession of the puck, then you can't go back. That's, that's the furthest point you can go back to. I agree. Because otherwise, it's it's just—it's ludicrous how how many of these calls have happened this year. It's not just in Boston; it happens so many more times in Boston. than yeah. anywhere else? But it happened in the Toronto game too. Yeah, it it happens all the time, and the the officiating has not been up to par. Not just in this series, but it's decided two series already because the Calgary Anaheim series when Anaheim tied that game, the I believe it was Game Three. That was a clear high stick. And yeah. it was...
0: You're listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. You can catch our show on the Hockey Writers podcast channel, available at com.
4: Missed on review. And then the way the officiating in the Pittsburgh-Columbus series has gone is ridiculous. Well, on the, uh, Leaf, the Leaf game last night, Anderson was
3: hugging one of the... Uh, uh, are The Washington players and they called it they ruled it goaltender interference when Anderson made the initial contact with the Washington player. How is that
4: goaltender interference if the goalie made the contact? The player didn't make the contact, the goalie they, did. They don't seem to understand what the definition of that is. There needs to be a, a very clear cut definition of what goaltender interference is that takes all the gray area away because that's where they're having trouble.
3: Yeah, and it's definitive.
4: Yeah, and the league needs to come up with some sort of definitive policy on spearing as well because we've seen three different incidents in the last two, two and a half weeks uh, with three very different reactions to them. And there isn't a lot different between each of the actual incidents. The Crosby on O'Reilly spear, the Marshawn on Dachan spear, and the Dreisaitl on Tierney spear. I thought the Dreisaitl one was the worst. Oh, easily and he got fined i thought that that's clearly not a hockey play and it's an attempt to injure you're steer, you're, you're spearing a guy in the balls this it's very clearly to injure the person so why what, are you just fining
2: what about the uh was it niskanen last night on Kadri, where he nearly uh-huh. hacked his leg off oh and and i don't everyone, even think but he I actually hit he the arm up
3: in arms. I'm gonna say no, no, I,
2: no. I, I, Ovechkin I touches him on the arm. Oh, okay. Ovechkin hits him on the arm. Yeah. Niskanen hits him with the, the blade of his stick right in the back of his knee. And you know,
3: and you know why that happened? Because there's no longer an there's an instigator penalty now. Kadri yep. deserved to get the living daylights beat out of him last oh, night. Oh yeah. But he did, and they're saying it's a clean hit. That's fine. I know Ovechkin was going out of his way, but you don't yep. need to bend over like you did because, because regardless whether he was getting out of his way, you were going at below the belt. You were trying. Oh
2: no, to... because Kadri's a POS, but I mean, like, <laughs> he's gonna get away with so much stuff; it's unreal. And like, like if that was Marchand and he stuck a knee out, he'd be gone for the playoffs.
3: But unfortunately, Marchand's got that name now, so he can't do anything.
2: Yeah,
4: but I thought, I thought Borowiecki had that name too, and uh, we didn't see anything happen to him. No, yeah, but, yeah, but we got, also we...
2: saw Borowiecki get yeah. killed. Yeah, and we
4: got the, the taken car- out of the game. Karma
3: police police came after him
2: and and sorry, but none of the Bruins really did anything. (laughs) He kind of just took himself out of the game. So I'm not joking. I watched that on TV and I clapped while that guy walked down the tunnel because that was the funniest thing I'd seen in a long time. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of people that have made memes of that where he like trips on a banana skin and stuff. (laughs) So if you can find them on Twitter, it is hilarious. Um, (laughs) But, but the the thing I'm I think with officiating, give them them Samsung phones that set on fire when you charge them too long, <laughs> right? And then when they go to the box after like two minutes, you'll see them pay, playing hot potato. <laughs> with the phone. So they'll have to take like a minute and a half to call. So that that's the only way. I I think they should just get get rid of it. Get rid of the call. It's obviously not worked. It's obviously slowed the game
4: down, and we're meant to be speeding it up.
3: Yeah, they they take Just it out of the ref's hands. It will as
4: long. Yeah, that's that's what's really causing all of the delays, that the refs are trying to look at all these angles on one screen, and they cycle through them, and they look at them multiple times, slow them down, speed them up. That's all the situation room in Toronto does the entire night. They look at all the games at every angle they possibly can. That call is going to be made within 60 seconds in the situation room based on the resources they have. Because they're going to look at it as soon as it happens. They're not going to wait for a whistle. Take it out of the ref's hands, give it to the situation room. You're going to get it right more often, and you're going to shave a ton of time off the review.
2: Oh, and you know, we talked about um, the whole uh, do refs favor teams that, uh, uh, or uh, unfavorite to teams that have caused an NHL referee harm. Look at the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, uh, Calgary. I, I believe it was Vermette that slashed one of the refs.
3: Or Calgary that? actually was the second most penalized team in the league this year, after not being even it, close. Well, yeah,
2: with with Weidman. But I mean, yeah. Vermet Vermette. uh hit the ref in with the ass. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And uh, since then, I think Anaheim have had more stuff go, go like holes go right for them than have gone wrong. So. Maybe yeah, one you, of the Bruins he, players could give the ref a bit of a shove, and well,
3: in the, Vermette, get Coles situation, going right. in the Vermette situation, Anaheim chastised their own player but, and pretty much sold them out. But in in the Calgary situation, they stood up for their player, and as as a lot of Calgary fans can, can they want that guy gone now. <laughs> he's like bad <that. laughs>
2: well, well, Ironman. Yeah, well, he's why been bad look on every team that he's been well, on?
3: He has the most famous hockey meme ever of him on the breakaway. That's the best breakaway I've ever seen in my life. Oh no!
2: No, it isn't. Forward. No, it isn't. The best breakaway. Oh, is, what's his name? Patrick the, no, yeah. Cody McLeod for, um, uh, uh, what they call uh, Colorado Avalanche oh, wow. this season, where he turns around and passes it
4: back. Oh, oh. Blake Como on, oh, the, on Blake the drop Cole pass. pass? Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, that was just another example of yeah, Colorado doing Colorado things. But, but Whiteman <laughs> actually tries to
3: deke out the goalie, falls and goes into the corner and hurts himself.
4: That's yeah, that, but, that one's that one's that one's pretty good too. So. He hurts himself. Yeah, but to see a guy actually get fooled by
2: the stick tap—you know, the thing that the defenseman yeah, yeah. always does—like to see an NHL player get tricked by that is the funniest thing you'll ever see. Fair uh, and I couldn't believe it actually happened. I thought I'd never see that work. So.
1: Well, as uh, as the hour uh, is coming to a close, I'd like to do uh, real quick um, the prospect update. The Providence Bruins are in the uh, Calder Cup playoffs for the fifth straight season. And they are matched up against the Wilkes-Barre, Scranton Penguins. Uh, last night, a convincing win. Um, a 2-1 victory uh, at the Dunkin' Donut Center. Um, and uh, they did it on the special teams, the power play especially. Uh, in the first period, Jake DeBrusk scored the power play goal at 2:11 from Peter Mueller and Matt Grizzlick. And in the third period, uh, Danton Heinen got involved with a, an assist from Peter Klaharic and Wayne Simpson at six twelve. A power play, like I said. Very good game, back and forth. Um, this this Wilkes-Barre Scranton team is is deadly scary. They had a hundred and seven points this season, and got. Uh, I'm not sure what the trophy name is, but it is the. Um, it's like the President's Trophy for the NHL. Um, They've been in the playoffs now for 15 straight years, and they are no joke. Uh, haven't won called the cups or many, uh, but they are um, a serious team in the first two rounds. And in the last four years of the playoffs, uh, the Providence Bruins have been out by this team. Two in the second round, and two in the first round, dating back to last season when they got swept 3-0. Uh, so uh, a victory on home ice against this team is huge. Um, and this is kind of funny, the way the AHL works, because the first round is a best of five. And it's weird because the wilkes fans, Grant and Penguins were the best team in the league, so you'd think that they get the home ice advantage, but no, not in the AHL. It's so strange that the first two games are in Providence, the third and fourth and fifth are in Wilkes barre Scranton so um, great game last night I watched it I watched them both simultaneously it was kind of crazy but um, I, I managed to have one eye on that game and one eye on the AHLB so uh, a couple players that were scratched that were hoping were gonna get um, uh, some time like we said earlier Jesse Gabriel he only played in one regular season game at the end of the year uh, he was a healthy scratch. Uh, Jeremy Lawson, defenseman uh, from the Roy Miranda Huskies that uh, recently got out of the Quebec Major-Junior playoffs. Uh, he was a scratch. And uh, forward Zach Zenishin from the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds. Uh, he is also a scratch. Um, the next game, game number two, is tomorrow at the Dunkin' Donuts Center in Providence, Rhode Island at 3.05 p.m. If you have ways to stream it, Check it out. It's good hockey, good playoff hockey. They could use the support. Uh, Game three is Thursday at the Mohegan Sun Arena at 7.05. Game four is Friday at the Mohegan Sun Arena at 7.05, if necessary. And game number five is Sunday at the Mohegan Sun Arena at 3.05, and that's also if necessary. The only prospect that's still alive in in the Canadian Junior Playoffs and that happens to be the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. Uh, is the Borrell and the Saint John Sea Dogs? Uh, the Sea Dogs got a four-to-one victory over Chicoutimi last night in Game Number One of their uh, semifinal matchup at Harbour Center in Saint John, New Brunswick. The had two shots on goal and looks to get back on the score sheet um, when the two teams play tonight from the Harbour Center Arena. Harvest Station Arena at 7 p.m. And I will be watching that game and we'll be providing updates on Twitter and Facebook. So check it out. Uh, and that is it for the Prospect Report.
0: You're listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. You can catch our show on the Hockey Writers Podcast channel, available at thehockeywriters.com. Hey, just wanted to
3: mention it was Chris Weidman, who chirped Krejci, uh, oh. and Marshan has come out to uh, call the guy classless. And if you're getting called
4: classless by Marshan, then <laughs> you're pretty classless, <laughs> right? Well, Chris Wyman was the guy that hit him. Yeah, and he chirped him. That's really, dude. Yeah. Really, that's he's gonna get his clock cleaned tomorrow by somebody, somewhere, some way, because he's he just put a target on his back for the rest yeah. of the series. So this Marchand is also.
2: Just, Chris Weidman, the smallest defenseman on the Ottawa Senators, dead. <laughs> well, not dead. I won't say dead. That's bad. Mm-hmm. But crushed. Yeah, he's definitely crushed.
3: Except I McAvoy see. On ba- him. I,
2: I, no, I can just see Bacchus is uh, like.
3: Need, we need
2: <laughs> Head and legs sticking out the board, and just illa crushed him through it. He's gonna hit him like a train.
3: So I can't wait. Can we officially say McAvoy Mania is real? And he's got two points now. Mania. Uh, he's playing. He's playing twenty eight minutes a game because uh, we're going to overtime pretty much every game. Uh, he's good, absolutely. Like, real the, good.
2: the thing I'm really excited for with this whole like McAvoy thing is, I, I'd rather call it youth infusion mania because I mean you got you're going to have next season McAvoy and Carlo, oh. like the top top two defensemen on the right side.
3: It's awesome,
2: um, and then you've got Chara. And Krug. and Krug, if Chara sticks around,
3: he'll we'll be see. here
2: one more year. Uh, Willie, we don't I'm, know how far this playoffs. I'm putting my go. short
3: podcast, podcast career on the line. Um, I say it takes, for one, it more takes
2: year. one injury during these playoffs to yeah. make that not this next year. But um, I, I just I, I like what's happening with the with the young guys being trusted over guys who have been around a few years and. It just seems like they're going to go with that four lines of skill and speed.
4: Yeah, baby!
2: Uh, that's what we've been waiting for all this time. All, all year <laughs> we have done this podcast, all we have asked for is four lines of skill and speed. Yeah. And now that Cassidy's here and we have the depth with the college sign-ins, there is four lines of skill and speed.
3: And so We can also say that we can never complain that our defense is not that good. Because we missed them all. That's true. Yeah, That's true. Very, very dearly. Right but now, also, I'll never say you, Adam McQuaid's bad. <laughs> yeah.
2: And what you were saying about um, Kevin Miller being the, the lock-in for the the last spot. Yeah, the last spot. I mean, he's looking a hell of a lot
3: better than Colin Miller at the moment. Oh, 100%. Uh, I, I, I've, I've been preaching Colin Miller all year and after the play I've seen of Kevin Miller he, he is just proving me wrong and I'm happy that he's proving me wrong. He's he's getting tons of minutes. Uh he got more minutes than McAvoy, so he was the second most last night for our defense. And he earned it. Yep. It's not that he's doing it on the score sheet. He's getting pucks out. He's not chipping them over the glass. We can all roll our eyes right now. He's not <sighs> chipping them over the glass. Shot of the captain. Yeah, he's he's looking first before he dumps the puck away and he's not giving away the puck. He's playing solid defense. Solid. Uh be... I, I've
2: been does very your, does your dad listen to this podcast by any chance? Mine? Yeah.
3: He he is. He's in the
2: other room. I was gonna <laughs> say, does he know you're chirping at the captain of the bruins
3: well <laughs> oh, no, he's okay with that. <laughs> I'm, not chirp, say... I'm not I'm not chirping him. I what Chara did, I don't think I, I still say he did not mean to do it. He was he, he you gotta remember he's he's a pretty big guy. He doesn't know his own strength sometimes. I mean, he, <laughs> He was he was he was making up for Marshan's mistake and unfortunately cost himself a mistake. Marshan so decided not to take the defenseman and he tried to get it out and it went over the glass.
2: You just described Char as a peewee defenseman. You just oh. said you don't he doesn't know his own strength.
3: <laughs> yeah, well. Well, he made he a play pee-wee? like a
2: peewee
4: defenseman yeah. uh, last well, night. So oh yeah. So did Moore. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> speaking
1: of defensemen, um Tory Krug return Tory Krug's return um, is uh, doubtful or it's um, we'll see what happens, kind of say. But Cassidy said he's been skating and um, possibility could be ready for game six. Uh, so he's that... been
2: skating with a non contact jersey, though,
3: mm-hmm. hasn't he? Right,
1: right. I'm... Yeah. But
3: skating, to me, I'm just happy the guy's skating. Yeah, for him. Oh, yeah. Like, he, yeah. We miss him. I miss him a lot. I, I I've realized he had such a great year. It was terrible. I, I might have been the curse. I write a great article about him, how much I changed my mind about him as a defenseman, and then he goes down.
2: I mean, we we said at one point about the fact that he was... He seemed to be one of the most quiet defensemen out there, but he was also putting up all-star defenseman numbers with mm-hmm. assists. So, I mean, Tory Crew is what the Bruins need. And if he comes back this playoffs... I think we'll see a totally different team. But if he doesn't, I think he's going to be one of the core guys going forward over the yeah, next few
3: seasons. Especially on the power play.
2: Oh,
1: Absolutely.
3: Yeah. Oh, so missed on the power play. So missed. Yep.
1: Um, real quick, um uh, Rask, unbelievable. I always have to praise him and his efforts, um, especially last night going, uh, I think it was 80-something, 81 minutes. Um, unbelievable. Um, one thing I really want to touch on before I, we get into our, um, our preview about tomorrow's uh, game six is I've noticed, and I, I might be weird like this, but I do notice when I see interviews, respect. I, I feel there's a very high amount of respect between Bruce Cassidy and um, Gibouche. Boucher. Uh, have you guys listened to any of their interviews at all?
3: Not a ton, no. They, Bruce they Cassidy's do... interview was awesome last night. Okay,
1: awesome. right. I, I just, I, you know, it's more or less like that these guys are playing well. We're playing well. I, I just, I don't know. Like I said, maybe I'm just a little strange about it, but um, it, it just you can see and hear the respect in their body language and so on. So I just wanted to. It, it's
3: it, it's funny you say that, Mark. My dad said to me today, uh, when I he was talking about everything, the one thing he wanted to talk about was how good Cassidy was on not blaming it on the refs or going after the refs. He did make the joke about the, I can't believe you have to score two goals to win an overtime. Right, right. That, that that was fun. He, di- he wasn't classless. He right. left it alone and avoided it and just talked about the game itself and didn't talk about the... Things that everybody wanted to talk about. That's just literally clickbait.
1: Yeah, more or less, that's uh, basically what I wanted to say. Is he didn't. He didn't take the attention and put it on the zebras and what and their actions on the ice. But you know, he kind of like toned it down on the questions. But more or less, wanted to hear questions about the game and his team. So, I I like that. And the same thing with Boucher. I I'm watching his interview last night. He was more or less like, you know, what am I supposed to do? You know these things happen, you know, we have to move on and, and we have to prepare and the, this team's good and this team's, you know, it was just I saw a really lot of, lot of respect that I just wanted to say something about did,
3: did anybody see the replay of Don Sweeney when the goal was scored?
1: Oh, you see it Don? was
3: amazing That was amazing He the, dropped so many F-bombs over and, over and over again and don't read Libs, kids, but you can tell exactly what he's saying It was awesome. <laughs> All Did, right.
2: uh, just a little outside of the Bruins' news, really quickly. Has anyone seen the uh, GM of Chicago do his little press conference?
1: him. No. if Bowman. you haven't, Dan Bowman,
2: go uh, go and watch that as soon as we finish doing this. And that is what I want to see from Sweeney next season. If they don't produce
3: again, but I don't like, want to see Sweeney giving twenty million dollars to two players.
2: No, but at the same time, watch what this guy talks about and how he says it, and oh my God, it it even gets me pumped up And I'm not a Chicago fan. It kind of just goes out on the entire team, says it's not good enough. He's one of those GMs who you know if you've done something wrong. Um, I think it's kind of if Peter Chiarelli had two stones down there, <laughs> That's kind of what you'd have expected. Love
3: it. Love um, it. <laughs>
2: well, well, he always seemed to pass it off to everyone else. Oh, no, yeah. He, I'll say, you tell it, Sagan he's been traded. It, you, it's, you do this.
3: It seemed like Cirelli always had Neely um, with two hands over his shoulder, if you know what I mean, Yeah. every now and
1: then. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, um, right. Well, Yeah. As, as we close up, um, we should have done this a little earlier, but, you know, this this happens when we get talking and we just sometimes get a little out of control, which I love because I I love talking hockey and I know you guys all do too. But let's have a collaborative effort right here and uh, let's talk about Game Six. Um. I, I'll I'll go first about my expectations. Uh, I definitely want to see a strong home game uh, and a lot stronger than we have in the past too. Um. You got to stay out of the box, uh, and and if if you if you can harp on the the harp on and expose the weaknesses that this Ottawa Senators team have, that we've all seen do with the Corrali goals, that's a perfect example of how to get things done. Get in the dirty areas where th- that one three one defense is not allowing you to get close to, so. Um, stay out of the box, play your game, play well in front of your fans, and, and definitely, you know, f- force that Game 7 back into their barn and, and, and hopefully get it done. I mean, but I, I want to go back to what Rob said at the beginning of the show, is we're happy. I'm, a, I'm a ecstatic that this team has gotten this far. You made the playoffs, and you potentially could go into a second round. This is a second round for me is bonus. Absolutely bonus. And it's awesome. And I hope they continue. So, um, I'm excited. I I hope for a win. If you get the lead, please keep it. Uh, don't sit back like I've seen in the past, but, um, I just want to see a good game tomorrow night. Uh, you guys. 100%
3: agree with you. I, um, I know we'll probably get chastised by some people on the uh, the internet about uh, saying I'm just happy they made the playoffs, but I really am. I didn't think they were going to make it. Um, I just didn't see it with the way they were playing, but I, I'm happy that we're getting a game six. When they scored that goal, I was like, oh, I get to watch hockey again on Sunday. It's not <laughs> over yet. Like, this is amazing. Dude. I don't know. They, they're exciting me. I look at this series right now, and it's been a coin flip you know the games have gone to overtime it could be a totally different series right now we could have won it and if if we do win the series and i really right now the momentum is in our favor if we win this series we won it with pure team determination because we've had so many players injured so many so many things going against the bruins that they've come together as this this new team and that excites me just even if we lose going into next season this core and these new guys that are coming in it's exciting just exciting
1: Spencer, go All for right. it. Right. Oh, I'm sorry, Rob.
4: Well, I'll, I'll, I'll push back a little bit on, on the uh, happy just to make the playoffs. I, I, I'm I with you guys. I didn't think that they were going to. I'm thrilled that they are, but I also don't think Ottawa is very good. Um, the, uh, they are the only team in the league to make the playoffs with a negative goal differential. Uh, they're a really boring team to watch because of the trap. Uh, I don't think that they are good enough to do much in the playoffs, and I think that the Bruins team can beat them. So being down 3-1 was frustrating, but the way it happened, I understand why they were down 3-1. And if they come out strong tomorrow, and they are aware that they're playing a hockey game in the first period, because I'm not sure they were last night, uh, I think that they're going to be fine. I think that they can absolutely handle this team because it does not have the offensive firepower save for Eric Carlson. And Craig Anderson can be exposed. Go go to the net. Corrali did a masterful job of it last night. You have all the, the talent in the world to drive the net and get shots on. Just keep doing that. And maybe don't do what Char did on the second goal last night and completely forget that you're playing one half of the ice and just kind of roam towards the puck.
1: <laughs> Good point. Um,
2: I just think there's, there's a few keys to beat in Ottawa. One of them is something that we missed from the Claude Jul- Julian era. And that is dump and chase. Mm. It's the only way to beat the trap. If you get, if you loft the puck into the zone, there's no way they can stop it getting in there. Um, They're killing us with the dump and chase game because all they're doing is chucking the puck over the top of the defenseman. Yep. Um, Another thing is uh, play one-one defense, one defenseman behind the other, so you don't get caught with two going up. Um, That's one thing to do, and then there's two players to cover. Well, there's three players to cover on the ice. Eric, Eric Carlson, who you can't cover, so just stop him skating it out. Uh, Peugeot, because that guy is fast, and we'll just lose a defenseman like it's nothing. And the guy that I said was going to be the scoring leader for them, Bobby Ryan, just have someone stood next to him at all times because he's just on fire at the moment. Do all that, and I think you win. But yeah,
3: just don't let Bobby Ryan take the second shot. If you notice yeah. all those goals, it's on the second rebound. Shot. Yeah, he yeah, gets his rebound. Yep, yeah.
2: but. It, it's you've just got to. I think you with Ottawa, you have got to play a near perfect game to win, because they don't make a lot of mistakes. I, I mean, they'll give well, the puck up, but
1: they've the always got does. a
2: man covering it. But well, the goalie does terrib- he's I He's mean, terrible with the puck. Well, he's not terrible. He's, I, I get it. He gives up the puck for one goal, but I mean, he's kind of killed us this series. He's made some just stupidly outstanding saves.
3: If Tuukka Rask had made some of the blunders that he's made when he tries to play the puck behind oh, yeah. the net, It'd our fan tense. base would have <laughs> lynched this guy by now.
2: Yeah, but I mean just I think if they play a heavy game, they win. That's the main thing. All their players are hurting right now. All their players are like like Bovieski went down in the game. Just if some someone's going to hit you, try and move out of the way. Try and get out of the way. If someone gets frustrated with you and slashes you, don't retaliate, skate off. Go and get a change. If you feel that angry and you need to punch someone, get on the bench, turn around and punch one of the coaches. <laughs> <laughs> just stop giving... Come here, Joe Sarko! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: Can you oh, imagine he, he's used to it. He was, in a, he was in a Colorado Avalanche coach. He's definitely used to it. <laughs> yeah. Can
2: we, not, can we not have one of the coaches like holding a punch bag, just yeah. so they can get off and like you'd just have Riley Nash sat there giving like cheap shots to the face? But it's it's all good. Like I, I really think it doesn't matter if we get onto the second round. It does, but it doesn't at the same time. Uh, we're all Bruins fans. We want to see him raise the cup, but I really don't think that's happening in this series. Right. So, yeah. Well, all Bruins.
1: Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, we have definitely gone past, well, close to uh, uh, one of our longer shows, but uh, I definitely want to um, say thank you to Spencer uh, for joining us. Um, thank you for uh, doing. The short notice research. I thought you brought a lot to the show, um, and thank you very much. Um, definitely follow Spencer at. Oh, I sh- I got rid of my notes. Um, Spencer, where can we find you on Twitter? Uh,
4: it's at pucknerd hockey. Um, it has a link to my YouTube channel in the bio page, and because I couldn't fit all of it into the bio page, the YouTube channel in the About section has the link to the podcast as well. Uh, definitely check those out uh content will definitely start going up more and more as i get into the summertime uh it's a little easier when i don't have class during the week so definitely check those out um i appreciate all the support this was really cool for me to be able to do this i appreciate you guys thinking of me and asking me to be a part of this oh Um, man
1: after this you're you're going to be welcome on a couple more times bud oh yeah definitely yeah you're a fantastic guest
4: I appreciate it very much. Thank you.
1: All right. Um, I think we're just going to close it up. Listen, I, I really hope that we uh, can talk again next week. Uh, there's nothing more than I want to do and continue to talk hockey on this podcast. But, um, you know, that remains to be seen with what the team can do tomorrow afternoon and uh, hopefully Wednesday night. So um, let's keep our fingers, fingers crossed Um, Thank you very much, everybody, for listening. Um, Even if it it does end on Monday, I'm sorry, tomorrow or Wednesday, we are still going to be back um, sometime soon to talk expansion draft, uh, NHL entry draft, free agency. So we do have some stuff that's going to be planned for the summer. Uh, We might go to a limited schedule because that's golf season for me and court (laughs) and, you know, who knows, but... Um, we'll definitely keep going and then bring you guys into the next season uh, appropriately. So, we have a lot of exciting things coming up. I'm working on uh, new advertising, new new stuff, um, audio inserts and so on. So, uh, again, thank you all for the support. We hope to talk to you again next week. Um, you can find me, Mark, at Black and Gold 277. You can find Court at Court Lalonde. You can find Rob at at Rob Forty Bruins, you can follow the podcast uh, uh, official account, Black the letter N Gold Pod, and um, guys, go Bruins!
4: Yeah, let's get it done. Yeah Please, <laughs> but let's let's try to get through a game without giving a third of our fan base a heart attack. <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah. Right. But hey, let's go let's go a game without giving away free penalties. Yeah, yeah. two okay, men nah. on the ice flipping the puck over. For the ice, how many two-minute We got two two-minute and a uh, one, one over the glass last
4: game. I, I feel like my MIT team had better uh, discipline than these guys. <laughs>
1: hmm. Oh, one
3: thing and I did.
4: Try... Uh,
2: sorry, I was gonna say try and get more than a one-goal lead because all these games have been by one goal. So I mean, we need to we need to really ramp up the offense from the oh, start. And,
3: and please don't go. The overtime tomorrow i have hockey at 7 45 and i, I <laughs> just just saying
1: um one thing i did forget to mention that we are we broadcast on five worldwide um platforms we are on apple itunes google play player.fm soundcloud.com and stitcher radio uh we ask that if you are listening through uh the itunes app uh, would you please go to our page and uh give us a rating and a comment uh, by doing so, you give us um, uh, a better way to to get our stuff out there, um, and it, it, it's a whole rating system, so it's really cool. And we appreciate any anything you can do.
3: Also, for non people, someone watch the replay of Eric Stahl going to the boards. It I looks ju- really bad. I just
1: thought I saw that. Oh. I'm actually watching the game right now.
0: Going good.
1: All right, everybody. Uh, thank you, Rob. Thank you, Court. And especially thank you, Spencer. Uh, that was awesome. And we look forward to having you on again, buddy.
4: I appreciate it. I look forward to uh, to getting to chat with you guys again. It's always fun to talk hockey with people that know what they're talking about. <laughs>
1: well, wow. We appreciate that. That's really cool, man. <laughs> Thanks. All right, everybody. Take care. and We'll hope to talk to you again.
0: The Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please join us next week for another discussion of Bruins hockey-related material.